Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com forward slash credit card. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts Hey, it's Jonas Knox. What if there was someone who wanted to help you find a job? Choose Express Employment Professionals and that's exactly what you'll get. They can help you in any industry. With just one interview at Express, you have a connection to endless jobs. Whether you want a contract job or a new full-time role, choose Express Employment Professionals. Express has 860 locally owned locations and no fees for job seekers. Visit ExpressPros.com. That's ExpressPros.com today to find a location near you. Thanks for listening to the best of Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome in Geico Outkick Studios here. I hope you guys are having a fantastic post-Halloween Friday because I know a lot of you out there are recovering from what probably was a little bit of a wild Thursday night with your kids, with your own activities, everybody associated with Halloween. I certainly am a part of that crew as well. Big win for the 49ers. We're going to break that down for you to break down the beginning of the show. I also want to say, I feel like I could run for president on the grounds of two ideas. One of which is every single person gets the day after Halloween off at work. Doesn't matter what you do for a living, it should become a national holiday the day after Halloween. I also think that the day after the Super Bowl should become a national holiday. This is something I've been arguing for a very long time. And at some point, hopefully, it will become a reality. But in the meantime, I hope you guys have a fantastic Friday. Thank you for spending it with us as we break down everything going on in the world of sports, get you ready for the weekend to come in college football in the NFL. We've got a loaded show. I appreciate all of you hanging out with us here in the Geico Outkick Studios. Okay, last night, San Francisco 49ers go on the road against Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray, and the Arizona Cardinals. 
And I feel like even if you are a hardcore San Francisco 49er fan, there is an element of self-doubt that characterizes your opinion of this team. I understand the 49ers are 7-0. and I understand if you regularly listen to this show that I have the 49ers as the third best team in the NFL right now. Patriots as the best. Saints as the second best. 49ers 3, Packers 4, Vikings 5. There is a lot of uncertainty about exactly how good the teams are in the NFC right now. It's intensely competitive. There may not be very much difference between the best team in the NFC and the fifth best team in the NFC. And if you are a 49er fan, what I believe you feel comfortable about right now is your defense. You buy into Richard Sherman. You believe in Nick Bosa that your defense is elite. But you had a little bit of a question about whether the offense can carry the load if they need to. And I think that's a fair concern to have had coming into this game against the Arizona Cardinals. How good is your offense? I always like to say, when you get into the playoffs, and I believe that the 49ers are going to be in the playoffs, one of the things you need to be able to do is win in a variety of different ways. And what I mean by that is, you know the NCAA tournament, the best teams aren't only able to win in the exact way that they want to play a game. Let me explain. If you are the kind of team that comes out running and gunning and you need to score 85 or more points to win, what happens if you run up against a team that holds the ball and is a defensive stalwart? You might have issues with winning against that team. If you are not also capable of gritting out baskets, of fighting your way through, and finding a way to win, even though the score might be 58 to 56, as opposed to 90 to 84. Can you win in multiple ways? And I think for 49er fans, the question has been, okay, we believe in our defense. Our defense shut down everything that Sean McVay wants to do with the LA Rams on the road. We believe we are the best team in the NFC West right now. But Jimmy Garoppolo has just been okay so far. He hasn't been a difference maker for the 49ers. And I understand 49er fans say, hey, wait a minute, we're 7-0. and But at some point, in order to win a championship or in order to advance very far in the playoffs, Jimmy Garoppolo has to prove that he's more than just a guy at quarterback. He has to prove that he is capable of leading a team to a dominant victory and that he can be outstanding. And I got to be honest with you. Last night, I saw pretty solid evidence that Jimmy Garoppolo can be a big-time playmaker when needed. Now, it's not just because Garoppolo went over 300 yards and threw four touchdowns for the first time in nearly 20 years for a San Francisco 49er quarterback. We have to go all the way back to Jeff Garcia the last time that this actually took place. It's also that in addition to the four touchdowns and the over 300 yards, he had complete command, I felt, of this game throughout. And in particular, at the end of the game, third and 11, 
The 49ers drop Garoppolo back to pass. He starts to scramble, sees his receiver, boom, hits him for a first down, ball game is over. And if you look at the overall numbers, they could be a bit problematic, but you know that you have a running attack. Everybody who watched the 49ers put up 51 on the Carolina Panthers knows that this team can run the football when they need to. And I feel like Cliff Kingsbury and the Arizona Cardinals said, we're not going to allow the 49ers to run all over us. 49ers ran the ball 31 times for roughly 100 yards. You get those stats, you sign up for them in a heartbeat based on what we saw the 49ers do against the Carolina Panthers last weekend. Short week, you are going to own the line of scrimmage if you are the Cardinals and you're trying to think of a way to win this game. And what you're going to try to do is make the 49ers beat you in the passing game. And if I'm a 49er fan who wants to believe that Jimmy Garoppolo is good enough to win a Super Bowl, there's some evidence here to support the idea that that could happen. In particular, I judge quarterbacks based on how they do on third down. The 49ers were 11 of 17 on the road against the Cardinals. 11 of 17 wins you championships in this league. Comparably, the Arizona Cardinals were two for eight. They had a lot of success at times, but when it came to third down, who's going to be more successful here? Jimmy Garoppolo made plays at the right time. I'm not saying Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals can't be good down the road. I think they certainly can. And the numbers were a little bit skewed because of the big pass play at the end, which made it competitive. The 88-yard touchdown pass. But you still, I think, have to be optimistic about what you've seen from Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury so far. But that's for the future and another analysis for the Arizona Cardinals because there's a three-way race right now in the NFC West. The 49ers could win it and they have a prohibitive lead right now. The Rams could win it if you look at their schedule going forward. I think it's less likely, but given how good Russell Wilson is, it's also possible that the Seahawks could win it. But right now, the 49ers sending a message, and it wasn't a message about their defense. It wasn't what Richard Sherman did. It wasn't what Nick Bosa did. It wasn't dominating from a defensive perspective and shutting down your opponent, it was that if the defense doesn't have a great game, let's say they give up an 88-yard touchdown. Let's say they have struggles when it comes to shutting down the opponent. Does the offense have the ability to pick up and carry this team? And I think, again, that's a legitimate question that was out there that a lot of people did not know the answer to based on how the 49ers season had gone so far. And I think, based on what we saw tonight, the answer was yes. And by the way, coming into this game, it wasn't like Jimmy Garoppolo has been off the charts. Yes, the 49ers were 7-0, and but he hadn't been the reason why they were 7-0. and 
Garoppolo had thrown for less yards than Kyler Murray. He had thrown nine touchdowns and seven interceptions entering this game. Boom, he gets four touchdown passes. Bumps that up to 13 touchdown passes against seven. Has his best game statistically of the year. This is exactly what I wanted to see if I were a San Francisco 49er fan. How much of our success is smoke and mirrors? Does Jimmy Garoppolo have the ability to put this team on his back and take us to the next level? And I think the answer is yes, based on what I saw. So the 49ers start off week nine in the NFL, get a huge win to equal the New England Patriots and get to 8-0. Now they have a decent amount of time off to think about how high their ceiling really is To me, Jimmy Garoppolo answered a ton of questions. Kingsbury, Kyler Murray, good performance. Not a great performance, but things to build on as we go forward. We got a lot of things to build on as we go forward on the Friday edition of Outkick the Coverage. I appreciate all of you hanging out with me. We're going to have a lot of fun here. Day after Halloween, rolling you into a weekend, waking up early, a lot of you bleary-eyed across this country. I appreciate you spending your Friday with us. We got a lot of college football and NFL to discuss. All of that still to come. Thank you for hanging out with us. I hope your Halloween was spectacular. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find just the right battery for your vehicle. When you're a do-it-yourselfer and need a specialty tool, to finish the job, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and ask about their loaner tool program. Simply pay a refundable deposit and borrow the right tool, then get your deposit back when it's returned. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you'll find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts are knowledgeable, helpful, and best of all, friendly. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and who doesn't want better sex? But if you have ED, you may be struggling and dragging your feet on solving the problem. Don't put off having a better sex life any longer. Check out Him Sex Chews and bring a new level of excitement and confidence to your sex life. The process is simple and 100% online, no uncomfortable doctor's visits. No insurance is needed. Pay one low price for your treatments, online visits, ongoing shipments, and provider messaging. Hims has hundreds of thousands of trusted subscribers, so if ED is getting 
getting you down. It's time to change that. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash two pros. That's HIMS.com slash two pros for your personalized ED treatment options. Hymns.com slash two pros. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. Sex chews are compounded products and have not been approved by the FDA. The FDA does not verify the safety or effectiveness of compounded drugs. Hey guys, it's Rich Davis from Cavino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance or any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew could stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you could sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter what your style, you could drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. If you're like many people, you may be surprised to learn that one in five adults in the United States experienced mental illness last year. Yet far too many people with mental health needs fail to receive the treatment and support necessary to elevate their quality of life. Carillon Behavioral Health is doing something about it. Born out of one of the largest healthcare organizations in the country, Carillon Behavioral Health believes that behavioral health is a key part of whole health. With 40-plus years of experience and 115,000 in-network providers, they understand the power of meaningful connection and compassionate care treating physical, mental, emotional, and social needs in tandem. Carillon Behavioral Health is there to not only help individuals in need, but caregivers, parents, and communities, so everyone comes out stronger on the other side. Carillon Behavioral Health, raising the quality of life through empathy and action. The Sour Punch Straw. It's a reek. Sour Punch Straw. Sour, I didn't, what is this? The draft has just gone completely off the board. I mean, he could have gotten that in the third round. I'm not even sure that that our man who who was that who just drafted? No, it's Jose and Fremont. I'm not yeah. sure our man Jose and Fremont yeah. even knows what the draft is for. Take the sour, sour patch kids way before those man, things, man. He might as well have drafted Bitto Honey right there. I just I what an unbelievable <laughs> pick. Uh all right, uh, up next. Uh, we got Susan in Florida. Susan, what are you coming in for? Now I'm coming for a Hershey bar, a plain Hershey bar. Yeah, you know. Thanks for the call. I, I yeah, that, that's I'm for a, cooking. Who's up next? Uh, we got Dino in San Diego. Dino, where are you going? Hey, Clay. Um, Milky Way, the milk chocolate with the caramel. Yeah, that's awful. That's I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Dino. Oh, uh, hey, I don't Clay, know. I got one more. Hold on, Dino. Did you wake <laughs> up? Are you wake? Are you up early this morning in San Diego? We lost Dino. What Dino needs yeah. to do, I hate to say it, is just go right back to bed, pull the covers over his head, and restart his day. Friday, I hope you're not too hungover after a fun Halloween, hopefully for many of you. Hope you've enjoyed some of your kids' candy. Uh, LT, how'd your Halloween go? Uh, you go out with the kids. What do you do on Halloween Yeah, now? I, I 
took little man out. You know, the problem is we go from like 70 degrees and yeah. the rain front comes through and then it goes down to like 40. Yeah. And Same so, thing here. you know, I, I can only carry so much bourbon in one of those Yeti uh, <laughs> handheld cups. Yeah. And it's, it's an embarrassing situation that I've got to refill that. So, um, and this is, you know, sadly, you know, you've still got, you've got a slew of them. This, yeah. this is, you know, I've got two daughter 16. So she's out. This is little man's last. He's already declared his last uh, Halloween. So kind of, kind of bittersweet on that, but uh, it went well. Uh, what about having a daughter who's 16? How involved do you get in uh, teenage girl ha- Halloween costumes? Cause those things can be fraught with peril. Yeah, they can be. I mean, we go back to Mean Girls, which is one of the great teen flicks of all time, and they say it best. You know, I mean, it gives girls an opportunity to dress up as complete sluts. Thank God, you know, I didn't walk around the corner and my daughter was dressed up as a black cat or a bunny. (laughs) So um, I haven't had to deal with that yet. I have had to deal with uh, this, this new society that doesn't know how to shake a hand. Yeah, and like all all of these dudes that I meet that she you know is friends with or hangs out with or whatever, um, they just their handshake is just it's awful. I don't and I don't get it. They can't make eye contact. Like they're just oh like, no yeah yeah. It reminds me like no. did you, you saw the Baker Mayfield uh, like losing his mind. Uh, you know I mean it was kind of a flip out right the moment he had in the press conference a couple of days ago. Uh, the thing that I thought was most funny about it was. He lost his cool, clearly. You know, he storms out of the, the meeting with the reporter, whatever. I mean, he's an emotional guy. This is what we've seen Cam Newton do before. Uh, you know, I would put those two guys in kind of that same category where they play with their emotion, you know, as, as much out there as they can. And I'm always a little bit nervous about that for a quarterback because I think the defense tends to feed off of emotion and then they're going to be more emotional against you and everything else. But what I love is Baker could have easily, like, cleared up everything, right? Like, just kind of be honest with the media there. Instead, he runs away, and then he picks up his phone, and he sends out a message about the way that he's feeling, which to me is just so quintessentially perfect. Instead of having a face-to-face, you know, eye-to-eye conversation with someone, you have that that, that blow-up in front of the media, and then immediately pull out your phone and go on social media and tell people what you really felt when you had an opportunity to tell people exactly how you felt while standing there talking to them. Yeah, hey, one of my favorite things of this football season has been the implosion of the Browns, and I knew it before the season. I mean, yeah. it was one of the sure things in life was to bet the under the total in the Cleveland Browns because there was no way this thing was going to work out for such a bad franchise. And if you're Baker Mayfield and Cleveland is this bad at this particular point, don't you understand and know what questions are coming your way? I yes. just I don't get it, and it's what really concerns me, especially if I'm a Cleveland fan moving forward, to think this guy really can be the face of a franchise, be productive, and actually possibly win a championship one day. I'm not seeing it right now. Well, here's what I always think about these like blow-ups that, that, that athletes have or coaches have with the media. Uh, and, and I understand it's sometimes frustrating to get asked questions when things are not going well and that you might think that you have so much of a deeper knowledge than what the people who might be asking you questions are questioning you on. But I don't think that athletes or coaches think about it enough how much of a privilege it is to just have a huge group of people show up to hear how, what your opinion is on a subject. Right? I mean, that's pretty rare when you think about it. For the vast majority of Americans and people around the world – you don't have people just show up and ask you questions and write down your answers, right? I mean, that's like a well, pretty that's rare one privilege. Of the reasons, look, 
I am a complete nobody, but I'll be out to dinner. I'll be at a sports bar, and somebody yeah. will come up, and they'll ask my opinion of USC Oregon. Yes. And I take the time because I know, look, this stuff doesn't last forever, and I appreciate the yeah, fact right. that I'm talking about something. If I was an accountant, I would love to be talking about this. Yeah. And just because I do it for a living doesn't necessarily mean I don't want to talk about it because it is something I'm passionate about. So, you know, I always take the time, and I still enjoy those conversations. I mean, there are annoying people in all walks of life, and there are certain people that actually present it the wrong way, and, you know, they can they can rub you wrong. But for the most part, I totally agree with you. I mean, Baker Mayfield, if you would have told him 10 years ago when he was in high school that he was going to be making millions of dollars a year to be the, the, the franchise quarterback for the Cleveland Browns and to answer questions about football, I mean, my God, how how good is life right now? Yeah, well, I feel the same way as you. I mean, people come up to me if I'm out publicly and they want to talk about a sporting event or they want to talk about the show. I don't think I've ever blown off anybody, right? And and it's not like they're asking. Every time somebody comes up to me, I get brilliant questions, right? A lot of times I get the same question from a variety of different people wherever they are. But I, I don't know. I, I still, and maybe someday that'll change. I hope not. But I still think it's pretty flattering when somebody comes up and they're like, hey, I read, read what you wrote or, hey, I like uh, listening to you on the radio or whatever it is. Um, I mean, that's a privilege. And so I do think that we don't talk enough about that element of the way that athletes respond sometimes. Yes, it can seem like a chore, uh, like anything that you do, but it's an incredible privilege to have a huge number of people arrayed in, in front of you asking your opinion on whatever may be uh, going on under the sun. So uh, the the thing with Baker is I just think he's emotionally immature. And I think that comes across in a variety of different ways that he conducts himself. I also think he believes that he has to play on the edge. And that can be good when things are going well because it can lead to great things. Do you buy into my argument? You've watched Cam Newton for a long time. I think when things are going well, there's few quarterbacks that are better than Cam Newton, right? Like he is a he's a really great front-running quarterback. But I think when things start to go bad, Cam and I think Baker Mayfield to a, a lesser extent is very similar to Cam. They start to look for reasons why things aren't working and they very rarely look internal. It's all about finding external reasons why failure has beset them and that emotion, that same thing that drives them to such an extent can also then become, like many different talents that people have, one of their greatest enemies as well. It's a dual-edged sword. It has positives, but the negatives are when things start going bad, it can be a super negative. Yeah, looking on a different front, not to get off on another tangent, but now that the NBA season is here, Kevin Durant and LeBron James are those guys as well. Yeah. You know, they're obviously much more talented than Cam Newton and Baker Mayfield because they're two of the greatest that we've ever seen. But those are super sensitive guys, which I've never understood. When yeah. You're making the amounts of money and you've won championships. And really, who do you have to answer for? I mean, how can you be so insecure as to a fan or a media member uh, says something that can upset you that much? It just doesn't make any sense to me. Well, it's even crazier for Kevin Durant, the fact that you would create burner accounts on Twitter to respond to your critics. At the absolute worst, Kevin Durant, when he's healthy, is probably the second best basketball player in the world. Certainly, he's one of the five best. Even if you hate Kevin Durant, you would have to acknowledge that. If you're one of the five best in something in the world, why in the world do you care what people say about you on social media? Like, you are one of the best at what you do in the world. Don't, I mean, it's, it's crazy to me that guys can get wrapped up into that to such an extent that Kevin Durant would create fake anonymous Twitter accounts to respond to people is is insane to me. 
Yeah, look, I understand Pablo Escobar with a burner account. I understand uh, Fortune 500 CEO that's got a mistress with a burner account. Uh, but Kevin Durant, yeah, makes zero sense. All right, let's go into the weekend coming up in uh, college football in the NFL. We're already underway, but looking ahead to the games that are going to be taking place on Saturday and Sunday. I think the biggest game by far uh, is the Florida-Georgia game, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Incredible scene down in Jacksonville every year. Uh, the over-under has come crashing down on this game. We also have, I think, a crazy line, although you may agree with it, the fact that Georgia is up to six and a half here. Um, I, this is one of those games. I've watched every Georgia game, and I've watched every Florida game. I watch an embarrassing amount of college football like you do too. Uh, I've gone over it. I've looked at it. I, I've studied it, and ultimately my eyes may be lying to me, but I re- trust Kyle Trask more right now then I trust uh, the Jake Fromm offense. I don't think Georgia can push it down the field. I don't like their offensive coordinator since Jim Chaney has left. I don't think they really have an offensive identity. I'm not saying Georgia's going to lose. In fact, it wouldn't stun me at all if Georgia wins this game. But in terms of value, I don't see how you lay six and a half uh, and take Georgia to win by a touchdown or more, which is where this number is now. You agree or disagree? Well, sometimes logic is not logical. Yeah. Uh, this is actually right now my favorite game of the weekend. On the opposite uh, look, side. Georgia... Well, you're right. I mean, Georgia's offense, 19 points per game over the last couple of games. Jake from 165 yards in those two contests. Three, um, you know, uncharacteristic picks from Jake from in those two games. They're three and five, their last eight out against the number. It's, it is an inflated number, but when you start to look at this Georgia team, I just think they're going to play with urgency. People are making an argument that Kyle Trask behind two and Joe Burrow, third best quarterback in the SEC. I mean, Jake Fromm, to me, coming into the season was going to be a latter half of the first uh, yeah. first round NFL draft selection. Um, I think the difference here is going to be a Georgia offensive line that's only allowed four sacks this season. DeAndre Swift opening things up for Jake Fromm. Not that he's got great receivers, but Lawrence Cager coming back. I think Georgia will play their best football game of the season. I think they win by double digits. It might happen. I just If that happens, there's no evidence whatsoever that Georgia has put out there on the field through the first two months to re- reflect that that's no, going to happen. I, I, you agree with I that? I agree. Yeah, I do agree with that. But you look at Florida and some of the spots, if Felipe Franks doesn't go down and Trask doesn't come in, they lose to Kentucky. Yep. Uh, they were lucky to survive Miami. Look, and they have gotten better, and I'm blown away. You know, an interesting question is what is more surprising – how bad Fromm has been the last couple of weeks or how good Trask has been the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, I I think the biggest indictment you can make of Florida in general is I don't understand how in the world Felipe Franks won this job. Uh, I mean, I think Florida is better with Kyle Trask. He's not the athlete that Felipe Franks is. He doesn't have the arm, but he's a better quarterback. And I think he's been more reliable. I think the highs and lows have been less significant. I think he is much better. I'm with you. I think if Felipe Franks doesn't get hurt, Florida loses that game against Kentucky, and they might have lost a couple of more games this year, uh, even than what they've done so far. Uh, or maybe Kyle Trask would have ended up getting brought in anyway, uh, just based on uh, just based on how things are shaking out so far. Uh, so, okay, let's go. Uh, let's go outside of what I think is the biggest game that's going on out there, uh, and let's uh, let's go out. I know you pay a lot of attention to USC football. Uh, the Trojans are taking on the Ducks in what is a pretty big game in the Pac-12. The hope would be, if you're a Larry Scott Pac-12 commissioner, you would like to think, hey, maybe we could end up with 11-1 and Utah going up against 11-1 and Oregon, maybe sneak a team in the back door here for the college football playoff. But first, 
the toughest game remaining on Oregon's schedule is on the road against USC. What do you see here? We've seen three consecutive weeks where unranked has beaten top 10. It started three weeks ago, South Carolina over Georgia, Illinois over Wisconsin. And last week we saw it again with Kansas State over Oklahoma. I think we see it again. We might see it twice this weekend at the Pac-12. Uh, starting first in the Coliseum, USC is night and day playing at home. 4-0 at home this year with two wins over ranked opponents already. Uh, Keaton Slovis is so much more comfortable in the Coliseum. He's got arguably the third or fourth best set of wide receivers in college football. And this Oregon team, although the defense looked really good the first four or five games of the season, it started to come back to the pack a little bit. Justin Herbert's been on fire, 21 touchdowns, only one pick. C.J. Burdell does scare me on the ground, averaging almost seven yards a carry against the USC defense, giving up almost 190 yards per game on the ground. But I think USC is going to win the game outright. I just think it's a night and day team at the Coliseum. And I think it makes things interesting, Clay, because if they win this game, they've still got Cal and Arizona State on the road. They've got UCLA um, in the Coliseum. But if they were to win out, go 9-3, and three, and go back to a Pac-12 championship game in four years, Clay Helton would have a Rose Bowl championship, Pac-12 championship, possibly two Pac-12 championships, and more than likely, he's still going to get fired. <laughs> it is wild what's going on at SC. Uh, for the last uh, several years, indeed, with with him. All right, let's uh, let the game's not going to be taking place till next week, and I think you and I are going to watch it. We're talking to Lance Taylor at the Lance Taylor Jocks Birmingham. Uh, going to go down to Tuscaloosa, watch this massive game between number one LSU and number two Alabama. So here, uh, walk along the line with me, if you would. Here, Nick Saban saying, you know, two is practicing. He doesn't really know whether two is going to play. It's a bye week for both LSU and Alabama. They've still got over a week to get ready, but. I don't understand the gamesmanship angle here if it were Nick Saban because you're not talking about a totally different setup depending on who's playing quarterback for Alabama, right? You're not talking about a running mobile quarterback that suddenly LSU is going to have to prepare for. There's not very much difference in terms of the offensive game plan, I don't think, uh, other than the fact that Tua is just a lot better. So what's going to happen here? How healthy do you think Tua is going to be? And how do you even handicap this game if you don't have a good read on Tua? Because to me, Alabama loses this game and LSU wins pretty comfortably if Tua is not able to go at a very high level or if he starts out the game and can't finish. Well, you know, I don't want to get technical and I don't know how many people listening right now know what this tightrope procedure is on a high ankle sprain, but Alabama's very familiar with it. And they did it even before Tua on multiple players. So they kind of know how this process plays out. And I don't think they would have gotten the procedure done if they didn't believe he was going to come back close to 100%. You've got the bye week, obviously, this week. So I think they fully believe he's going to come back. I agree with you. I mean, two is an A-plus. Mac Jones running the same offense is maybe a C-plus based on what we saw against Arkansas. But I fully expect him to come back, play in this game. And I expect Alabama to win this game. You know, I think so much is going to be made on number one team in the nation, when we see the first college football playoff rankings come out, it's going to be LSU. It might even be Ohio State number two. They probably play this thing for TV, put Alabama at number two, and let that thing sort itself out. But I think most people will say, you're giving the LSU plus more than a full touchdown because I think this number is going to stick right at eight. And I think most people, the public, will play LSU plus the eight. And I think Alabama comes out. I think the defense is getting better. I still question Najee Harris, Brian Robinson, that run game. But two is just that good play when he's healthy, and I think he's going to be healthy for this game. There could be a setback. I don't see it right now, and I think Tua comes out and plays healthy against LSU. All right, let's get at least one game in the NFL. And by the way, you can go to the website Lance's Locks, uh, Lance's Lock or Lance's Locks. 
Lance is locked singular. Yeah. So we, we give out one free play every day. And by the way, Clay, six and one last Saturday, seven and two in the NBA right now. Uh, there you go. Uh, off on a uh, hot start. Okay, let's go into uh, the biggest game, I think, in the NFL, at least in my opinion, and it's the most intriguing one. Bill Belichick going up against Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens coming off a bye week. Patriots, everybody knows, 8-0 going on the road at Baltimore. John Harbaugh with two weeks to get ready. Lamar Jackson, we know what has happened in the past uh, couple of years when Bill Belichick has gotten to go up against, uh, or last several years of his career, against first or second year quarterbacks. He's pretty much unbeatable. Line is right around the field goal for the Patriots. What happens here? You know, I've watched you guys unlock it in and talk about the pathetic quarterbacks New England's gone against. And look, the numbers are amazing. I mean, it's the statistically best defense we've seen since the 1977 Falcons. I really don't remember the 77 Falcons, Clay, being a juggernaut. Yeah. Uh, but these numbers are pretty outstanding they're putting up. Lamar Jackson's a dynamic quarterback. I agree with you. I heard what you said the other day that this is, I don't want to say he's a Tim Tebow. I don't think Lamar Jackson is going to be, you know, a franchise quarterback for eight to ten years in the league. I do think he's dynamic right now. And I think in this one-game situation with Harbaugh coming off a bye, I think this is the best, most difficult game that New England has played to date. Um, I lean Baltimore in this spot. I don't know why. I mean, we've been watching the NFL forever. It's so difficult to go undefeated, and I can't believe people are saying this New England team's going to go undefeated. The thing that does scare me is people say they haven't played any offenses, but if you go back to Super Bowl 53 against my L.A. Rams, they held the Rams to a Super Bowl historical low three points. So this defense is legitimate, but for whatever reason in this spot, I like Baltimore. Outstanding stuff as always, LT. Last question for you. If you only could pick one candy to eat for the rest of your life, we're coming off of Halloween. You said you were out with your son. I was out with my kids. What candy would you select and or what candy are you stealing from your son's candy selection when he might not be looking? Okay, two things. This is going to be random, and it's going to show that I'm a true alcoholic, but the payday when you can pair it with a good red wine, whether it's a cab or a Pinot, and then you can also go with an IPA, the payday is unbelievable. Uh, it complements both really well. Oh, that's interesting. It's like, uh, I guess, the the nuts at the bar, right? Like, uh, the payday, I yeah, think, is underrated just, in general, but I never thought about it's, that. It, it's the salty and the sweet, and it goes great with alcohol. Uh, outstanding stuff as always, LT. Appreciate the time, my man. See you, Clay. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. With the fifth pick, <laughs> I'm taking the Twix. Kit Kat is the poor man's Twix. <laughs> How dare you, sir? That's an intriguing you know argument. I had two, it's a poor man's Twix, I had, eh? I had, Come on, man. I, had, I have two fun-sized Twix right here in my hand. I was going to give them to you, and now oh, you, man. you are not getting is, I, like, I like the attack here yeah. being levied early on. Uh, Wait a minute. Roberto, if you apologize for what you said about Kit Kat, I will give you these Twix. I'm not apologizing, Eddie. You're not apologizing. Oh, I'm not wow. All right. I'll, yeah. Then I will eat these in front of you. How do you like wow. that? Wow. Uh, Is it a king size version? <laughs> no, that's the mini ones. Oh, just, okay. the, just the fun. I just have, a, like, have a feeling yeah. these two teams will never work with each yeah, other again. <laughs> Hope you guys had a good Halloween. Uh, joined now by Chad Withrow at Withrow Zone. My buddy 1045 The Zone in Nashville is where uh, he, you can hear him on a daily basis. And, uh, Chad, I know uh, it's the day after Thanksgiving, and you've got young kids, so you're probably not out trick-or-treating that much. But yesterday on the show, we had a Halloween candy draft. I'm curious, 
if you have the opportunity to dive into Halloween candy, what is the first one that you go for? See, it's easy for me to answer this, Clay, because you can cut the candy family in half for me. I'm not a fruity candy guy. Yeah. I don't like Skittles. I don't like Starburst. I don't like fruity candy, so I'm a chocolate guy. So you cannot beat the simplicity of the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. That's high If high you saw the pick. orange Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, that was gold when you were trick-or-treating, right? Yes. You can see it right in the bag when you're reaching in there. That's that grab every time. That's still my favorite candy to this day. So I'm going chocolate, peanut butter, Reese's peanut butter cup all day, every day. Um, that's a solid pick. That was Danny G's number two overall pick. I got to draft first, and I took the peanut M&M, uh, which I think is the classic candy. I mean, I don't think you can go wrong with peanut M&Ms. But the Reese's peanut butter cup was the number two overall draft pick. So that's a solid, that's solid value there. And we felt like we were kind of, you know, Jared Goff and, uh, and Carson Wentz in terms of one and two who both look like they've panned out at least on some level uh, there with the, with the breakdown. Um, all right, let's dive into the upcoming weekend of college football and NFL games. I know you watch a lot. I think the best game, and I've talked about this in the show already, I think the best game by far, if you only had to pick one to watch in the NFL or college football, in terms of impact and importance, is Georgia-Florida, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, uh, the game on CBS that will be airing on Saturday. You've watched Florida play. You've watched Georgia play. Somehow Georgia is a a six-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. What do you expect to see on Saturday? I I think Florida wins. Um, I just think Florida's looked like the better team, especially as of late. You know, they both had their problems with South Carolina. Uh, Georgia loses to them in overtime at home. Florida trailed for much of the game and pulled away late against the Gamecocks. But there is just something off with that Georgia offense right now. Uh, their offensive line is still very good, but Jake Fromm doesn't look as good as he did earlier this season. If I'm just looking at trends, I think with what Florida can do defensively, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, first and foremost, for both teams. But uh, I, I'm taking Florida in a close, low-scoring game at this Yeah, it is intriguing to try to break down exactly how that's going to all shake out. Let me ask you this, too, uh, as you think about what's going to happen with uh, with Georgia and Florida. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Uh, There are a lot of second-year coaches that found themselves, particularly in September, just completely under the gun with uh, the way things were going for them. And it's four big programs. Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee, uh, Scott Frost at Nebraska. Uh, You've got uh, a lot of success finally starting to happen for UCLA with Chip Kelly. They're 3-2 and in the Pac-12. And then you've got Willie Taggart at Florida State. How would you assess those four now? I think we talked about it maybe a month ago, maybe five weeks ago. Now that we're about to enter into November football, the final month of the season for college football, how do you think those respective fan bases, Florida State, Tennessee, uh, Nebraska, and UCLA should feel about the status of their programs right now? Man, this is and what's great about this question, Clay, is we did do this a month or two ago, and now my order is going to completely flip. I think about the jobs that the coaches have done or they're doing this year. Yeah, and also just how you I, think that the the program should feel like going forward, right? Like cause sometimes, yeah, like how, how confident are you in the final month of the season, but also in what you're seeing for the trajectory of the program overall? I mean, I think I would put Chip Kelly, given his college success, and UCLA now looking competent uh, at number one. 
for a UCLA fan. I think it's probably between Scott Frost and Jeremy Pruitt for number two. I, I might give Jeremy Pruitt a slight nod uh, because they're improving. I mean, they look light years better. They look like a different team right now as we uh, as we go into November as they did in September. So I'm going Jeremy Pruitt, Tennessee, too. I still think Scott Frost is just too good of a coach, and that makes too much sense for him going home to Nebraska, for them not to eventually be good. But they have been really bad this year. No one expected them to look the way they have against good opponents, much less losing at home to Indiana. Um, so that they're struggling. And Willie Taggart at Florida State, I think, is fourth in yeah. terms of feeling good about a coach moving forward on that list. We, I talked with Andy Staples. We had Andy Staples, I think, on the show Wednesday. And he said, look, I can see Willie Taggart getting fired at the end of the year. I don't think that Jeremy Pruitt, Scott Frost, or uh, certainly Chip Kelly are in any kind of danger. Would that set? What kind of precedent would that set if Willie Taggart is out after two years? I mean, I think it just shows that Florida State is serious about winning big. And they know that the current state of the ACC is trash. Yeah. And they're not taking advantage of it. I mean, I, I think that's what it is. I don't think it sets the course or changes anything for any other programs. That's just Florida State making a business decision that, hey, this guy's not going to get it done. He hasn't yet. And the conference is bad. We need to strike now and, and make the change. Um, Scott Frost, Nebraska, I want to ask you about this, too, Clay. With his lack of success and the love that fan base has for him, clearly he's, you know, he's set there for as long as he wants, more than likely. But the way he talks about his playing days when Nebraska was great fires up the fans, right? Yeah. Nebraska fans love it. But does that set the right pace for your program and your players when you're constantly hearing your coach talking about his playing days and how great he was? I think that's interesting for recruits to hear things like that. What's good for the fans to hear isn't always good for your team to hear, I guess is what I'm saying with Scott Frost. Yeah, it's interesting because I would say Scott Frost had the opportunity to take the Florida job, right? Uh, when he was at yeah. Central Florida, he was rolling. Central Florida's continued to win pretty well since he's left. I mean, he left a solid foundation there. And he could have easily just slid up the road a little bit from Orlando to Gainesville. And I think that would have been an easy transition, and I think he would have won at a high level. Instead, he comes back as sort of the chosen golden boy, the prodigal son returning. And I think what he's going to find is a little bit what Jim Harbaugh has found at Michigan. There is a downside to being that beloved, right? And it is that you get a big leash, but at some point things can turn if you aren't able to fulfill the high level of expectations, right? Like, um, and I think that's different than somebody who comes in from an outside force. I think you get more time, but the anger can be more pronounced over time. It's almost like uh, the way that you feud in a family. We're Thanksgiving, now that we're into November, Thanksgiving is not that far away. Uh, sometimes you get a lot angrier at your family because you feel like you know them better than you do at other people who may treat you worse or may who be- behave in a different fashion. And I think sometimes seeing Scott Frost stand on the sideline, if you had, let's say, Bill Callahan, you could be like, oh, Bill Callahan's not winning because he doesn't know what it takes to win at Nebraska. Bo Pelini, you could be like, hey, Pelini is not our guy. He doesn't really understand what it is about Nebraska football. If, if 
if you can't win with Scott Frost, I think it's the same kind of feeling that Michigan fans have where it's like, my God, maybe we're never going to win again. And it's like a crippling level of failure, right? Because I think that's that's where Michigan fans are right now. And obviously, they got the big win over Notre Dame. And uh, and it looks like maybe they're going to be 9-2 and two when they get an opportunity to play against Ohio State and try to win for the first time in five years. But Michigan fans who are realistic have to be looking around saying, wait a minute, not only is Jim Harbaugh not gotten us anywhere near to where Ohio State is, but if he can't do it, nobody can. And I feel like that has to be what Nebraska fans think about Scott Frost, too. It's like he represents the end of hope, right? He is the best possible candidate. And if he can't do it, it's almost like you throw up your hands and say, maybe we're just never going to be what we once were. Well, and that's, that's why Nebraska fans are going to be very patient. And they're not, I mean, they're not even close to really starting to criticize Scott Frost the way some outsiders might. But you're right, Clay, because. If Scott Frost can't fix Nebraska, given that he led UCF to an undefeated season and he is the conquering returning hero from a small town in Nebraska who played quarterback for Tom Osborne and the Huskers, that Nebraska fans may sit around and say, well, this may never be the way that it was. But I just find it interesting. I hear a lot of his press conferences. In hearing him talk about the good old days and his playing days and you know, when I was here, there was a standard. And he lived up to the standard, and Tom Osborne said it, our seniors did, and we just don't have that right now. I do wonder, just from a player standpoint, in 2019 with younger athletes of this generation, if they like hearing their coach talking about the standard when he was playing at Nebraska, and they're going out there and getting their ass kicked by Minnesota yeah, the in a one, game. The they're, thing they're is, coach saying that. you know how young recruits are right now. Like, if you are being recruited – Anything that happened before like 2005 or 2006 doesn't matter to you at all. So I think there are a lot of people that Scott Frost is recruiting and Nebraska might well be, uh, you know, like, I'm trying to think, like uh, uh, Illinois, right? Like to them, Nebraska football is not that much different than Illinois football. And I think, you know, Tennessee has this same kind of issue when it's trying to sell its program now to really young guys. It's like Tennessee to them is not that much different than Ole Miss, right? And that's not trying to take yeah. a shot at Ole Miss or Illinois. It's just those programs don't have a historic success like a Tennessee or Nebraska would. But if you're a 15 or 16-year-old kid now, you don't know that Nebraska was once one of the premier programs in college football. You don't remember Scott Frost. Your mom or your dad might. Your grandparents certainly would. And by the way, I will have to say this. Scott Frost, is he better looking in a coach's polo than any coach has ever been before? Like, do you see when he gets – I know it's starting to get cold in Nebraska, but when he wears that coach's polo, I don't know that I would ever wear anything else if I were Scott Frost. Like, it looks like it was made for him. You know, like yeah, Tiger Woods looked, when he golfs? Like, if you wear the right. dry-fit Tiger Woods golf shirt on your course, you think you're going to look like Tiger Woods, and you just look kind of fat and, like, you know, you don't look very good in that dry-fit. In the same way that Tiger Woods, like, that shirt is made to make him look like the greatest human on earth. Scott Frost looks the role of most badass coach on the sideline of all time. Yeah, he looks like he should still play quarterback for Nebraska yeah. uh, when you see him uh, just physically. But I will say this. I saw a side-by-side with him and uh, Landry from Friday Night Lights, yeah. Jesse Plemons. In the, the face, they are very similar. And they are startling similar. Uh, yes. There's some similarities there between those two. Um, so I'm not going to say that turned me off. Scott Frost, <laughs> the very attractive head coach, 
But that certainly didn't help his case when I saw him looking like Landry. Uh, all right, last question for you. Do you buy in? the? I think the most intriguing game for the NFL this weekend, we said college football, it's Florida-Georgia. The most intriguing game for the NFL is, to me, the Patriots going on the road against the Ravens. Do you buy in that uh, Lamar Jackson is going to break the stranglehold that the Patriots have had over the AFC so far this year? Will he be able to give a legitimate chance to the Ravens to win this game? I think that he gives them a legitimate chance. I don't think they win. I think the Patriots win. I, I'm more interested. You know, Tom Brady really isn't what he has been right now. He doesn't have to be because of their defense is so good uh, with New England, but uh, he's not necessarily the same Tom Brady. He's still great, and he, they're still the Super Bowl favorites for a reason. Uh, but I'm more interested in seeing the Patriots defense up against a different challenge in Lamar Jackson and what he brings to the table uh, with his running ability also. I, I, I'm fascinated to see that Patriots defense matchup against Lamar Jackson even more than seeing Tom Brady on the field in this game. But I think the Patriots defense is too good. Uh, I think the Patriots get it done this weekend. Outstanding stuff as always. He's Chad Withrow. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find just the right battery for your vehicle. When you're a do-it-yourselfer and need a specialty tool, to finish the job, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and ask about their loaner tool program. Simply pay a refundable deposit and borrow the right tool, then get your deposit back when it's returned. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you'll find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts are knowledgeable, helpful, and best of all, friendly. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Hey guys, it's Rich Davis from Cavino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance or any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew could stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you could sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter what your style, you could drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. If you're like many people, you may be surprised to learn that one in five adults in the United States experienced mental illness last year. Yet far too many people with mental health needs fail to receive the treatment and support necessary to elevate their quality of life. 
Carillon Behavioral Health is doing something about it. Born out of one of the largest healthcare organizations in the country, Carillon Behavioral Health believes that behavioral health is a key part of whole health. With 40 plus years of experience and 115,000 in-network providers, they understand the power of meaningful connection and compassionate care, treating physical, mental, emotional, and social needs in tandem. Carillon Behavioral Health is there to not only help individuals in need, but caregivers, parents, and communities, so everyone comes out stronger on the other side. Carillon Behavioral Health, raising the quality of life through empathy and action. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved only for a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everyone feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. Uh, do we have time to get anybody else in? Yeah. We can go to Victor in L.A. quickly. Victor, fast. Yeah, let's go with Almond Joy and the Coconut. Sometimes you feel I like gotta be. I got to be honest with you guys. How old are these people? I mean. Well, Almond Joy, in its defense, is better than a Milky Way. The entire last, like, ten picks that we've had in this draft. Awful. I mean, true. nobody even went Skittles. I mean, there's so much value out on the board right now. This is maybe the worst Halloween candy draft we've ever had. <laughs> Everyone outside of like the top five really Reese's pieces with themselves. Reese's pieces are out there. I mean, there is so much value on this board. I hate all of you. Final hour of the Friday edition of the show. Hope everybody had a good Halloween. Uh, we are here in the Geico Outkick Studios. We're joined now by Joel Clad. Appreciate him swinging by and hanging out with us as he gets ready for tomorrow's big game between the Oregon Ducks and USC. But I want to start here, Joel. We had a big discussion yesterday with a Halloween candy draft. You've got young kids. You get out and about with them, I'm sure, for Halloween. What were your kids dressed up as, by the way, this year? We were the Star Wars uh, group. They're very into Star Wars. So I had a Han Solo. That's my oldest, Henry. Kylo Ren was my middle boy. He's always something from the dark side. And my two-year-old was Yoda. Oh, that's fantastic. But now this is interesting because you, prior to having three boys, had no knowledge of Star Wars whatsoever, right? Am I correct that you had never watched these movies? That's right. I had never seen it. Now I've seen all all six of them, and I watched them with my boys. It was amazing. And you know what? I would much rather have done it that way. I'm so glad I didn't. I got to experience it for the first time with them, which I thought was amazing. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Have you guys been to the new Edge of the Galaxy Land or whatever that's out of Disneyland? Yeah, we did. We went uh, right before school. You know, because first it was like you had to have reservations. So once yep. it was just open, we went and, uh, oh, my gosh, they loved it. My oldest wanted to just walk around. He wanted everything. And I was like, you realize that every trinket in here is $200. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Was it pretty cool, though? Did you ride the, the, the Millennium Falcon ride? We did, and it was it was good. I'm, I'm, I'm eager to see what their second ride is. I don't know exactly what it's going to be. But, uh, yeah, I mean, listen. The level of detail that they put in that Star Wars land was incredible. And for those people that love it, 
it was incredible. And my kids, their eyes were just like, they could have been there for three days and just walked around and taken part. And, you know, then the character would walk by and they loved it. So, yeah, they, they were very much into it. All right. So before we get into the college football games, what would be your number one draft pick? So the kids come back with their candy. They're all loaded up. They're in the house and you see the pile of candy and you're like, oh man, I'm going to go grab, you know, one piece of candy, which is something that virtually every parent who is listening to us right now will do at some point in the next two or three days, right? It's impossible yeah. just about to, to avoid all of the candy. What is your number I one think draft that pick? My, my number one draft pick is the fun size Snickers. Not bite size, fun size yeah. Snickers. I would guess that that's the majority of the first picks. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But he, here's the close second, and I think that this one's a little bit off the radar. It's the bag of chewy sweet tarts. Yeah. Oh, I love that. It's interesting. Our top three picks, so on the show, I went with the peanut M&Ms, which I have been a fan of for years. I mean, like I... You know, a good one. That's yeah, a good, I think that's in one. most people's top five. Yeah, number one overall pick. Then Danny G went with the Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, which are also mm. obviously also insanely good. popular. The only thing that's tough about the Reese's Peanut Butter Cups is that they are soft and so depending on where they're at in the bag they can get mushed together and 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 also melt if you're in a warm locale and let's say like you're in southern california you're out walking around the chocolate there can melt in a way that it wouldn't certainly in many parts of the country like it was freezing and that's right and reese's melts before a snickers or a peanut m&m that's correct all right so and then the third pick was your pick it was the snickers dub came in and said you know what the snickers is my number one overall pick so the top three, I mean, that's a pretty solid trio, I think, that we ended up with. Let me tell you which one that I immediately throw out, because yeah. I won't even subject my kids to this, is Almond Joy. What are we doing with it? Like, get it out of my face. Yeah. The al- what about the candy corn? Oh, does people, do people still do that? They should be yeah, kicked I, out of Halloween. Yeah, I agree. And also, I said this yesterday on the show. I said, if the regular version of your product is better than the candy version, that's a pretty big indictment. Like, I would rather have <laughs> corn on the cob. Like, if you told me, hey, would you rather have corn on the cob or Ooh. candy corn? I'd be like, yeah, I'd rather have corn, you know, on the cob. And don't even give me – if it's Mexican street corn and, like, it's got all the different flavoring on it and everything else. Oh, that's like, amazing. Yeah, yeah, right. So I don't even think that's – like, if the candy version of the, the product is worse than the regular version of the product, that's a huge indictment. That's a great call. I mean, these are this is really solving the world's problems. There you go. I do got to tell you, like, there's some te- there's some terrible candy givers out there. Yeah. Just, uh, and I'm just like, what? Just stop. What, what's another one that that was so bad? Oh, I can't think of it now. Oh, I think candy corn is bad. I think you're right. The almond joy is not good. The mounds bar, like, I mean, yeah, that, mounds is is really bad. Here's another one: is the old like whoppers. They look like milk duds. Like yeah. I love milk duds, but then the Whoppers, you, you bite into them and it's just like, oh, this is great. It's a stick of chalk. <laughs> and also you question the decision-making of whoever makes it. Like, I'm going to give this out. When I was a kid and I went to a birthday party, everybody would have soda there. You know, there's pizza and maybe you're, you know, like hamburgers, whatever, and everybody gets like Coke. And every now and then you go to a party and somebody would have like Mr. Pibb. And you'd be like, why didn't you just get, why didn't you just get Coke? Don't overthink this, you know, like just get like a Coke and a Sprite. And if people don't like Coke and Sprite, that's on them. 
Do you? So my parents, like, uh, my mom didn't go back to work until I was in the middle of elementary, and my dad was just a school teacher. So you can imagine we were a family of of six. I have three uh, brother uh, brother and two sisters, so four yeah. kids. We didn't have a ton of money, and I can remember. <laughs> I can remember. On hindsight, I mean, like how snobbish was I? But I was so embarrassed because at my birthday, my my dad bought a two liter of squirt. Oh, instead I remember of squirt. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, squirt. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. And I was I like, it must have been a quarter or something. And yeah, you're not saving like having to, a, to pour a lot out of money. Like squirt. Yes. And then the other thing that he had so there was a two liter of squirt and then a two liter of big K cola. Yeah. And it wasn't that much cheaper for Big K Cola than, like, just I'm Coke. I'm sure it wasn't. Oh, man. But it's different if, like, somebody's making that conscious choice. Like, you're at the kids' party, and you're like, all right, we've got ginger ale and Mr. Pibb. And you're like, what? I mean, just you did, couldn't just get Coke and Sprite? Like, just get the thing that almost everybody likes. That's, that's my uh, that's perspective right. on it. Or that's get right. the variety pack now and let the kids themselves come up to your house and pick out whatever they want. That's right. The variety pack is great. Uh, all right, so uh, I want to start with this question. I think I asked this question of you maybe like a month ago, back in September, and change. Now we're into November. Four second-year coaches at four big programs came under a lot of scrutiny and heat in September. Uh, you had uh, Chip Kelly at UCLA. You had Scott Frost at Nebraska, Willie Taggart at Florida State, and Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee. All of those guys have started maybe to right the ship a little bit as October went along. If you were assessing where those guys are right now, who do you think is in the most danger at his program as we enter November of year two for them? I, I still think Florida State yeah. with Willie. Um, and, and followed closely by, by Pruitt at Tennessee. And, and the reason is, and I know Tennessee has showed some good form, and, and you've been excited about the, the way that they've played, but the, the problem at both of those programs is that they're getting rated recruiting-wise. And I know Tennessee has recruited decently, but remember who they're recruiting against. Like, they've got to go beat Georgia. They've got to go beat Florida. They've got to go beat Alabama and LSU. And so from that standpoint, you know, I, like, I get worried that Tennessee's hill is just too – Deep to climb, and then Florida State—they're getting crushed right now in recruiting. And I just don't think that Willie's going to be able to recover from that. Having said that, I—I'm I, firmly of the belief that this has been one of the most disappointing seasons that I can remember for Nebraska because I thought it was um, an arrow that was pointing up. And, yeah. and the one that I actually think is is quietly getting better and better. And if you go through their game logs, it's like every single game they just get better and better as a young team is UCLA. And I could see Chip actually being competitive, in particular in a conference in which it's not a steep hill. Um, and, and I could see a situation where Chip gets them uh, pretty competitive fairly quickly from this point on. Well, they're 3-2 and two in the Pac-12, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And they're playing against Colorado. I know you're a Colorado uh, fan and an alum. But they are around a 7, 6.5 point favorite in that game. I mean, I think it will surprise a lot of people who haven't been paying a lot of attention and just kind of hop in and out, you know, like, oh, in September, the story is UCLA and Chip Kelly's a disaster. If they win tomorrow in that game, they'll be 4-2 and two in the Pac-12 with three to go that are decently winnable games. Right, and, and that's what I think is, is so interesting. And again, I point to the competition, right? So yeah. 
you, you might like a lot of people. I, I said that. Where did I say this? I said this answer on a Houston radio station. They were asking me about Florida State, and I was like, well, you know, I'm worried about their recruiting. And they were like, Joel, they're in the top 15 right now in the class. And I'm like, yeah, okay. They've got zero five-star commitments, and Clemson has six. Yeah. So a lot of it, now a lot of this evaluation has to be like, well, who are you playing and who are you better than in your own conference? That's why I'm concerned about Tennessee. Even with their quality form, they've got Georgia, they've got Florida, they've got Alabama, they've got LSU, they've got Auburn. Are they better than any of those programs, Clay? I think the question you have to ask, the recruiting class that Jeremy Pruitt just signed in his freshman class has got some studs in it. Like, I think there are three or four potential first-rounders. It's hard to project for sure, but Tennessee is starting two uh, true freshmen right and left tackles who are studs. Tua Tuo, whose name I always mess up, is a starting middle linebacker, uh, and he has been an absolute stud. Like, it wouldn't stun me if all three of those guys end up being first-round picks. So the question becomes... Not but, just how do you right recruit. Now, right now, they're ninth in the SEC for this next class. Correct, which is still they're like behind top, South Carolina they're and 20th, Mississippi They're 20th, I think, overall right now, right? Something along those lines, yeah. Yeah, and the challenge in general is where are you going to finish, as you mentioned, not just in the country, but also in uh, the conference. In the conference. And then, but beyond that, Butch Jones finished really high, right, when he was at Tennessee. The problem Butch Jones ran into is the guys didn't pan out who he recruited. So figuring mm-hmm. out whether the guys, if you're going to get a bunch of four stars and a couple of five stars in, are they actually going to develop at that level? Or have you got guys who aren't? That also factors. And in general, it's just a numbers game, right? The more four or five stars you get on average, the better you're going to be without having to dive into the individual particulars of each one. But it is it is pretty intriguing there. All right, you've got a game. Oregon hanging on by their fingernails the last two weeks to being on the periphery of the playoff race with wins over Washington and Washington State. It seems like Clay Helton has had the same schedule and the same story in November for the last several years. Will he or won't he keep his job? What happens in your mind in this game? Oregon is a really good team, and and you're right. They've hung on uh, in the last couple of games. Washington on the road, and you can't fault them for being down. I think Washington's a pretty good team. They're on the road. That's a tough, you know, interdivision road game, and they win it. They come back and win it. you got to give them a lot of kudos for that. And then they, they went in walk-off fashion against Washington State, and I think the important part is that Washington State had won four in a row over Oregon. You know, ever since Mariota walked out the door, Oregon could not beat Washington State. So that's a big hurdle for them to get over. Um, defensively, they have come back to earth a little bit. They've given up eight touchdowns over the last two games. And more specifically, they had a really hard time stopping the passing game of Mike Leach's Washington State bunch. And remember, the coordinator for USC is now Graham Harrell. That's an air raid system. That's a Mike Leach tree. They've got three of the best wide receivers at in the country, and not many people are talking about them because they're in the Pac-12, but Michael Pittman, Amon Ross St. Brown, Tyler Vaughn, like these guys are really, really talented in the passing game. And while USC is banged up and not a great team overall, they are strong right there where Oregon seems to be showing some weakness. So with USC at home, they're 23-3 and in their last 26 at home, and then Oregon showing some weakness depending on the pass, it wouldn't shock me at all. At all, Clay, if USC is in this game, it even potentially wins. The biggest game I've been saying all show of the NFL and college football weekend to me is Florida-Georgia. Cocktail party, CBS game, 
whoever wins this game, huge advantage to be the SEC East representative. It would actually be pretty stunning if whoever wins this game isn't representing the SEC East just based on the fact that these are the only two teams that are truly in the mix. And certainly if Florida wins, then they knock Georgia down to a second loss. It's almost inconceivable at that point in time that Florida could not be the representative. Uh, But what do you think is going to happen in this game? Well, so there's, there's, listen, Florida's defense has been pretty good all year until all of a sudden, very similar to Oregon, in the last two, all of a sudden they've allowed 200 yards on the ground in each of those games. Um, that's, that's not going to be great. They've got 15 giveaways on the year, turnovers. That's tied for the eighth most in the Power Five. Meanwhile, Georgia, they just shut out Kentucky. They're the number one scoring defense in the SEC. They're the number one yards per play defense in the SEC. They also have the leading rusher in the SEC in DeAndre Swift, who's running for just about 110 yards per game. So, so when you put all that together, it's like, okay, one team can't stop the run and turns the ball over. The other team's got a really solid defense and runs the football. I really think Georgia's going to win. A lot of people are saying, well, I don't know, Florida and Trask are coming off that four passing touchdowns. You know, they were trailing uh, by three going into the fourth quarter, but then they, I think it was like a 21 to seven run in the fourth. I just think that Georgia is, is they've rallied the troops a little bit. DeAndre Swift, remember, he was talking about people booing him, and he kind of came out and was like, hey, pound sand, get off of our backs. I think Georgia comes out and wins this game, and, and I think that they're going to beat Florida, and I think they're going to wind up in Atlanta where most of us thought they would end up. Okay, last question for you, and I know this is one we'll be talking about next week too, but how much of a difference do you think there is between Alabama with Tua and Alabama with Mac Jones? And the reason why I'm asking, obviously, is the injury to Tua, Nick Saban being sort of circumspect in terms of whether he expects Tua to play and we talked about this on Lock It In. I don't buy into the gamesmanship angle here because Mac Jones and Tua aren't that different of quarterbacks. And so the game plan isn't going to have to be that much different, if at all, for LSU as it prepares for these two guys. What do you think ends up happening here? And if Tua either doesn't play or isn't able to play anywhere near the same level that he ordinarily would, how does this impact the overall playoff picture? I think that Alabama is vastly different, and their ceiling is 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 significantly lower if two is not on the field. You know, I'll, res- I'll do respect to Mac Jones, and I know he was decent in that game against Arkansas. First of all, Arkansas is atrocious. Yes. You and I both know that, and so I don't think that gives us any indication. Um, Alabama running the football is not great. They're 64th in, in FBS right now and uh, running the football. Uh, defensively, they're doing okay. They're doing, I think, better than I expected with how many injuries and young players that, that they're playing. The problem comes in, and when you look at it, and you look at LSU, and what can you expect from LSU? Well, I think that you can expect from LSU that they're going to score north of 30 points. Yes. The only reason they didn't get north of 30 points against Auburn is because they failed in the red zone, and in particular inside the five-yard line a couple of times. And so they put up 500 yards against Auburn, and Auburn's defense is pretty good. So I think Bama's going to have to get into a shootout, which means if Tua is not healthy and not able to throw the ball around and, and cover up some of those inefficiencies in the run game and maybe on the uh, defensive side with younger players, I don't think Alabama's got a shot. I think they get beat if Mac Jones is out there, and they get beat maybe handily. 
against LSU. If he is healthy, then I think it's a great game, and and I think it's a coin flip, quite candidly, because I think both of these teams can score at will uh, against the other uh, if their quarterbacks are healthy and their passing games are going um, at the clip that we know that they can. Outstanding stuff as always. Joel Clapp, be watching the game. Enjoy uh, Oregon-USC. We'll talk to you next week. All right, bud. See you. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now.